Praise the Lord. How many of you know just a little talk with Jesus can make everything all right? Amen. Thank you so much, Jennifer and Ben, for and choir team for just that anointed time of worship. Amen. How good it is to just praise the Lord. Amen. That's all part of a, a little talk. Amen. You know, when we worship God, that's having a little talk with Jesus and makes everything all right. It's good to see in God's house tonight, church. As I always say, I'm blessed and privileged to have you here sitting under the, the word of God. It's not my word, but it's God's word. And before we get into our service tonight, the title of my message, if you haven't been with us, first of all, over the last few weeks, last week I concluded our series on the nine divine exchanges that took place on the cross of Jesus Christ. I pray that they were a blessing to you. I'm going to dovetail off of that a little bit this evening and maybe even next week. But the title of the message tonight, it's not part of the series, but it will touch on a little bit of what we looked at last week. Title tonight is Guard Your Heart, taken from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And before we go there, let's just have one more little talk with Jesus. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for your presence that's in this place. We thank you, Father God, for your spirit and for your anointing, for your covering, Father God, for your truth and revelation, for your power. For your mercies, which are new every morning, and your grace, which endures from generation to generation. So I thank you tonight, God, that I'm not standing here alone. I'm standing here with your mercy and covered by your grace. Now we need your anointing and your Holy Spirit, God, to fill this place. Not just this place, Father, that's made of earth and clay, but us as well. We need you to fill us with your power, with your anointing, and your spirit. So that I might bring forth your word and so that your people might receive your word. So we come against every hindering spirit, every distraction, the cares of the day and the week, Lord God. And I just pray that we would receive with gladness your word, that it would find a place in the soil of our soul and that we would bear fruit and fruit that lasts. We give you the praise and the glory and all of God's people said, amen, amen. Proverbs 4:23. it's short, but it's powerful if you study and understand it. Above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. Above all other words Solomon wrote, above all the other instruction, the wisest man in Scripture, and some say the wisest man in history could have given, above everything else I have exhorted you to do, Solomon said, guard your heart, because it is the wellspring of life. And out of a well-kept heart will flow life to the glory of the Father. That was the message that Solomon was trying to speak uh, to God's people. And my question tonight is, how many of you want to glorify the Father? And if you want to glorify the Father, and I want to glorify the Father, then we must have a well-kept heart. Amen? That's what we're going to look at tonight. Because whether you like it or not, the heart is a spring that is welling up with water. And the truth is that spring will either gush forth with fresh water and pure water like it comes from an unadulterated mountain spring, or it can gush forth like a cesspool gushes forth with foul, polluted water. The reality is our heart has the capacity to spring forth with one of those two things. I don't know about you, but I want to be a sweet aroma to God. 
I want to be a sweet smell in the nostrils of our God. I don't want to be a stench that reaches into the throne room of God and turns the, 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 the nose of God away, church. And the truth is, if our hearts are not well kept, the truth is, if our hearts are not maintained properly, they will become polluted and you can say they will become rank. Or they will become putrid in the the nostrils of God. If our hearts are not guarded above all else, like Solomon said, the enemy will infiltrate our life. The enemy will infiltrate our hearts and he will unpack his bags of carnality. And he will unpack his bags of corruption. And he will unpack his bags of flesh. He will unpack his bags of unrighteousness, church, and from that heart will flow the filth and not fragrance. And like I said, I don't know about you, but I want a fragrance to flow from me and not some foul stench. The reality is if we do not properly guard our hearts, the enemy will come in and our lives will flow with corruption and not Christ-likeness. The reality is if we call ourselves a Christian We must make sure that we guard our hearts, because if we don't, church, I don't care how much you call yourself a Christian, your life will not flow with Christ-likeness. You see, the reality is, in all honesty, you are not judged to be a Christian by the confession of your mouth. You are judged to be a Christian by what flows forth from your heart and flows forth from your life. So you and I can call ourselves Christian all we want, but the reality is we are judged by what flows forth from our life. And that's what this message is all about. Last week, in the conclusion to my Divine Exchange series, I spoke to you about two men. I want to pick up on those two men a little bit this evening, but they're two men that are mentioned in the New Testament And like I taught, they weren't given a name like you and I have. They're not called Paul. They're not called, uh, you know, Frank or Fred or Henry. These two men in Scripture are called the old man and the new man. And each one of these men, if I might say, have a certain aroma to them in a spiritual sense. One of these men is foul and one of these men is fragrant. One of these men carries a stench, and one of these men carry a sweet, sweet aroma in the nostrils of God. One of these men is repulsive to the Lord, and one of these men is attractive to the Lord. I don't know about you. But I want to be the one that is attractive to God. I want to be the individual that is a sweet, sweet aroma that is attractive to the Holy Spirit and attractive to the anointing and attractive to the power of God. See, what you and I need to realize is that the condition of our heart will either attract, it will either repel God or it will it will attract God. You can't live a foul, filthy life and expect to attract the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon your life. You can't be cloaked in this rank, foul odor that is put forth by the old man and expect the power and the presence of God to come upon you. You see, the truth is the old man repulses God and the new man attracts God. So we must be careful to clothe ourselves and fill ourselves with the new man 
so that we can attract God and attract his blessings and attract his goodness and attract his anointing. Amen. So this is what this study is all about this evening. Just to give you an idea and understanding of this message, you have to realize that everything that comes forth from our heart in a spiritual sense, everything that comes forth from our life in a spiritual sense has an aroma, has an aroma, church. Every thought that you think has an aroma to God. Every, every action you, 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 you perform in your spiritual life has an aroma in the, in the nostrils of God. Every word that you speak has an aroma attached to it. When you open your mouth, your words can be filled with a, a sweet aroma in God's nostrils, or it can be foul and rank in God's nostrils. The same thing goes with your thoughts, and the, the same thing goes with your actions, and the same thing goes with your deeds. And all of those things put together make up our life. So the reality is our life, church, everything about our life has an aroma in a spiritual sense. I'm not saying in a physical sense, but how many of you know that just like there is a there's always a spiritual parallel to those things that take place in the natural world. And an individual that does not take care of their physical hygiene, you know, as well as I do, they can smell rank from time to time. And the reality is spiritually, if we don't maintain our spiritual body, if we don't take care of covering our heart, our heart will produce the same rankness, church. And it will repel God. So, so today, the, the, the Holy Spirit, the word of the Holy Spirit to us tonight is guard your heart. Because if you don't, the aroma that you bring forth will repel the Holy Spirit and the Father just like the hearts of the, of the hearts and the lives of those in Sodom and Gomorrah. If you know the story, their life was rank. The, their doings were rank and their thoughts were rank. And, and the way they spoke and the way they lived were rank. And the Bible tells us it was so foul that that stench reached the nostrils of God. It reached all the way up into the heavens, the Bible says. And it so turned God that he had to consume their, their flesh and he had to consume their lives in order to get rid of that foul odor. You understand what I'm saying, church? This is what this series is all about, that our life can produce either a fragrance or a stench. And we need to be careful which one is produced from our lives. I'm bringing this word from Proverbs 4.23 because all of our lives will have one of these two men, or all of our lives and all throughout our lives, we will be affected by one of these two men, like I taught about last week. Our, one of these two men, church, will, all try, will both try to sit upon the seat of our throne. How many of you know that your heart represents a throne? It is the place of authority for your life. And one of these two men will try to sit themselves in that seat of authority. One of these two men, the old man and the new man, will both try to sit upon the throne of your heart because they both want control. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the, the new man wants control in your life. And the old man, the old nature, the rebel that we talked about last week, wants control of your life as well. One of these two men will sit upon the throne of our heart, and whichever one of those men sits there will determine the aroma of your life, will determine the direction of your life, will determine the outcome of your life, will determine the destination of your life, and will determine the eternity of your life as well. 
You see, we think sometimes when it comes to this sinful nature inside of us and this old man that's inside of us, so often we think we can hide him. So often we think we can cover him up like I talked about last week with a three-piece suit and all these fancy things. But the reality is we can be as whitewashed as we want on the outside and still be like whitewashed sepulchers full of death and decay and and these rank things on the inside. And so the reality is we must guard our hearts, church, according to the word of Solomon, so that our life is a sweet, sweet aroma, not just to this world, but in the nostrils of God. Amen. What I want you to remember is the one who sits on the throne is the one who is seated in authority. The one who sits on the throne is the one with power over your life. Power to bless or power to curse. Power to loose or the power to bind. Power to build up or the power to tear down. Power to give you life or power to offer you destruction instead. And I hope you know which man offers wit. What? You see, the old man doesn't offer blessings to you. The old man doesn't offer life to you. The old man doesn't loose you. The old man binds you. He holds you captive. He tears you down. The old man cannot produce a sweet aroma in your life. It's why I talked all about last week, Jesus having to go to the cross so he could bury the old man so that we could have a new man instead. And so today and maybe next week, I want to talk to you a little bit more about this old man and the new man and how we bring forth the new man. You see, what you and I have to realize, the one who sits on the throne of your heart directs your path. The New Living Translation in Proverbs 4.23, if you've ever read the New New Living Translation, I'm not stuck just on King James. I'm careful with what I read. But sometimes when you read the New Living Translation, it talks a little bit like we do. And the New Living Translation says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Determines the course of your life. And the reality is, whatever course you set, it determines your destination. Whatever road you travel determines where you end up. So this is why Solomon said, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Just like a seated president determines the direction of a country, so does the man that sits on the throne of your heart. Because according to Solomon, the source of our life flows from our heart, church. And the one who's seated there will determine what flows forth from your life. If the old man is seated there... Something different will flow from your life than when the new man is seated there. They both flow differently, church. But the reality is the one that sits there will determine what flows forth from your life. And it will either flow forth with a a, a foulness or it will flow forth with a fragrance. It will either be a corrupt and carnal life or it will be a consecrated. Created and Christ-like life. It will be a stench or a sweet aroma, like I said. Remember, Jesus himself said in Luke 6:45, The good man brings good things out of the good that is stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil that is stored up in his heart. If you use the terminology that I Uh, began with last week concerning this old man and the new man, you could say it this way. The new man brings forth new things 
from the new things that are stored up in his heart. From the profitable things and the pleasant things and the productive things and and the positive things and the righteous things that are stored up in his heart. You see, I hope you understand and realize that good things don't just show up in your life. Good things aren't just automatically stored up in your life. You have to put them there. The Bible says the good man brings forth good things from the good that is stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings forth or flows forth with evil things from the evil and the old things that are stored up in their heart. And this is what we have to understand, church, that the old man stores up old things and the new man stores up new things. But the question that the Holy Spirit has tonight is what are we storing up? What are we storing up in our lives? Hey, it's all well and good to call yourself Christian. It's all well and good to call yourself saved. It's all well and good to call yourself bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. But there is a question that's even more important than that. And that question is, what are you storing up in your soul? What are you storing up in your life? What is it that, that is filling the, the, the foundation of your life, which is the soul of, of each and every one of us? Are we storing up corrupt things? Are we storing up evil things? Are we storing up old things, things that decay, things that have uh, that will one day, according to the word of God, rust and rot those things that are destined for destruction, those things that have no eternal value. What are we storing up in our lives? Every time we look at pornography, we're storing up stench. Every time we, we look at things that we shouldn't look at, we're storing up stench. Every, every time we do this and do that and, and, and go against the will of God, we're storing up stench. Every time we reach out to this world that is, that is filled with death and destruction and decay, and we attach our heart to it and we open up our heart to it, church. We are filling our souls with a foul stench. Things that are passing away. What are we filling our lives with? Are we filling them with all of those things, church? Or are we filling them with good things? Are we filling our life with righteous things? Or are we filling ourselves with godly things and pure things and and holy things and and things that make the heart of God glad instead of grieving the heart of God. What are we filling our lives with? Please understand the old man that we spoke on last week stores up old things in his heart. Stores up old things in his heart. Stores up evil things and corrupt things and unrighteous. That's what the old man does. His collection of knickknacks, his rank, his collection of knickknacks, his, the furnishings that the old man puts in his house are not pleasing to God. They're not new things. They're not righteous things. They're not holy things. They're corrupt things, church. They are things the Bible says are destined for destruction. They will one day burn and pass away with all of the, the things of this world. They will burn and, and be no more. So what are we storing up, church? Are we storing up things that will last or are we storing up things that will pass away? Are we storing up things that will not edify and will never satisfy? Are we filling our hearts and filling our lives and filling our families and filling our minds and filling our mouths? And you understand where I'm going and filling everything about our life with things that are eternal. 
with things that are righteous and pure and holy? Are we filling our life with the Word of God? Are we filling our lives with prayer? Are we filling our lives with those things that produce power, the power of a new man inside of our soul? What are we filling our lives with? How much time do we spend being entertained by Hollywood versus being changed by the Word of God? How often do we open up our heart to the foul things of the world and just say, have at it? Instead of opening our heart to the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the presence of God so that He can fill our life, so that our life can flow forth with a sweet, sweet aroma. That's the question. What are we filling our lives with, church? From the old man flows these old foul things. You know the, the passage that says, you, you know, bitter and sweet waters don't flow from the same fountain. You can't. They can't. The old man can't produce sweet water. And the new man can't produce foul water either. So it's why we have to guard our hearts to make sure we know which man is flowing forth from our life, church. The new man from... The, the new man who stores up new things and good things in his heart, his life will flow with those things. Listen, it's, just, it's the way it works. When, you've, when you store up good things, when you store up the Word of God in your heart, when you store up prayer, when you store up all of these, these good, holy, righteous things in your life, guess what flows from your life? You don't have to work it up. You don't have to dig deep to try to find it. Nobody has to take out a microscope and wonder where the good things are. Listen, if somebody has to take out a microscope and start examining your life, trying to find the new man, something's wrong. It should be evident when you walk in the house of God. The new man should be there. That's what we talked about last week. There is a new man that, that, that operates and flows out of what you feed him, church. There's this story, it's not in my notes, but it comes to my mind. There's this story, it's an old Indian parable, where this Indian chief, in, in, in an attempt to train his young men, uh, the young warriors, every single day he would take a different young warrior out to a field, and he would take two dogs, a black dog and a white dog. And every single time he went out, he would ask the young warrior, which dog will win this fight? He would take them out to fight, and the young warrior... It, it would pick either the black one or the white one. And then, the, and then the, the chief would pick one as well. And when all the ratios came in, after all of these young warriors would go out, it was 50-50. Half of them got it right and half of them got it wrong. But the warrior got it right 100% of the time. He knew exactly which one would win. And so one of the young warriors came and said, How is it that we're 50-50 and you're 100%? How do you know which one's going to win? And he said, The one I feed the most is the one that always wins. And the reality is, you've got to ask yourself the question, who am I feeding the most? Am I feeding the old man, or am I feeding the new man? And if your old man starves, he can't win. If the new man starves, he can't win. I want you to understand that when you stuff the mouth of the old man with the things of this world, he's going to rule and reign in your life. But when you stuff the mouth and the soul of the new man, I want you to understand that he's going to walk differently and he's going to talk differently and he's going to preach differently and he's going to pray differently and he's going to worship differently and he's going to act differently, church. I want you to understand the one 
one you feed the most is the one that's going to win in your life. But the sad reality is we starve the new man of the Word of God. We starve the new man of the house of God. We starve the new man of the things of God. We starve the new man of prayer. And we starve the new man of fasting. And we starve the new man of worship. And we wonder why the old man rules and reigns in our life. We shouldn't be surprised. We should know exactly who's going to win today, just like the Indian chief. Because I fed the new man this morning. I got up and I gave breakfast to the new man. I went along the way today and I I gave a snack to the new man. I I was at work and and the new man started getting weary and started getting a little hungry. So I opened up my drawer and I, I gave him a shot. I got home and I, I had a nice meal for the new man. But guess what? That's not the way it is most of the time in our lives. Most of the time we take the old man to Golden Corral and we let him fill up. We feed the old man all throughout the week and we show up on Sunday morning and say, Okay, old man, now it's time for the new man to eat. And we think that's enough to get us through the week. That's nonsense. You understand what I'm saying, church? Guard your heart, Solomon said. Feed the right man. This is exactly what this study is all about, church. Here's what I I want you to understand. Proverbs 8.13. Again, Solomon. He says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. From that... From everything that you have stored up inside of your soul, from the abundance that has been building up in your soul, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you can actually say it like this if you study it. What is stored up in the heart will overflow out of your life, not just out of your mouth. What you store up in your heart will overflow out of your lives, church. So the question is... Not just what are you storing up, but what is flowing out from your life. And I pose this question to myself because the Holy Spirit impressed me to ask these questions. When life presses you in, when you are squeezed by adversity, when you are pressured by the enemy, when you are pushed to the limit, when temptation tightens its grip on your life, what comes out? What comes out? When this world wraps itself around you and pins you in a corner and begins to pressure you, what comes out, church? What comes out? What flows from your heart? Who acts at a time like that? Who speaks at a time like that? Who, who's in control of your life at a time like that? Who, who is the, the representation of your soul at a time like that, church? Is it the old man or is it the new man? Is it the foul man or is it the fragrant man? Is it the corrupt man or is it Christ? You see, Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. You see, I want you to understand, like I talked on last week, the new man is not you. The new man is Jesus Christ. The new man is not Jeff Merriman. The new man is not Daryl Fowler. 
The new man is the Son of God and His name is Jesus Christ. The new man is, is empowered by the Holy Spirit, church. The new man has a Father in heaven, not a Father on earth. The new man is a righteous man and a holy man, church. That's, that's the new man. So when the world, like I said, presses us in and, and circumstance and situation and trial and tribulation begins to press upon your life... When you're driving down the street and the, and the guy that, 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 that got his license from who knows where cuts you off, what comes out, church? I'm reminded of, of a sports athlete, and I won't use names, but tennis player not too long ago. Playing tennis, real popular. Crowds love this, this star. And it's not just one, but recently I remember... And she went into a foul tirade towards the end of her tournament because there was a bad call. And talk about foul, it was foul, it came out. And afterwards, she semi-apologized and said, that's just not me. And I said to myself, baloney, it absolutely is. Because from the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. You see, the reality is she gave herself away. And we give ourselves away too, unless we guard our heart. Unless we guard our heart, we will find ourselves in a position where when all of these things press upon our lives, something rank is going to come out. I'm using this terminology, for some of you it might be a little crude, but I'm using this terminology because it helps us paint a picture of what I'm talking about. It stinks, church. God doesn't like it. And it's why we need to put the old man away. But let me move on. When the heart is healthy, when the heart is healthy and functioning properly, blood is carried throughout the arteries into the entire body, into all the body. You should know that. You know enough about health. It it goes into every extremity that you have. When your heart is functioning properly, it propels the blood to every part of your body, from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. From the tip of your nose to the tip of your toes to the tip of your fingers. It propels blood even into the very center of your eye, church. Every cell, every, every part of your body, when the heart is, is, is functioning well, when the heart is well tended to and operating like it should, blood is propelled to the entire body. And how many of you know blood is life? Without the blood, there is no life. And the reality is, church, that when the blood stops flowing, death is sure to follow. When blood stops flowing, you know this, you don't have to be a doctor, but when blood stops flowing to your extremities, it dies. The tissue will begin to decay and it will eventually die. I don't know about you, when I was studying this, the first thing I thought about, if you've ever been, you know, sleep on your arm funny at night and you cut off the blood flow and you wake up and if you're like me, I'm panicked and I can't feel my arm... Try to get that thing going. Oh, it literally feels like you're going to have to cut your arm off. You've got to get that blood. The same exact thing happens. If that blood didn't start flowing, guess what? That arm would decay, and I'd have to cut it off. If blood stops flowing to your eyes, you know what happens. The tissue begins to decay, and you lose your sight. You lose your vision. You go blind. When blood stops flowing to your brain... Stroke is sure to follow. The tissue dies and, and, and you have a stroke and death 
is certain to follow. When, when the blood stops flowing to your heart and from your heart, when it's interrupted, when there's something not right, when, when the heart is not in good condition, the heart stops functioning and death comes to the body. Spiritually, church, it's exactly the same way. When the blood of Jesus Christ, who is represented by the new man, because remember, the new man's not you, it's Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is represented by His blood. The new man is a representation of the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of Jesus Christ and the life of Jesus Christ. And if the blood of Jesus Christ is not flowing through your body, if, it's, if the flow of, of, of Jesus' blood and power isn't flowing through your life, guess what happens? Your life will decay, your life will deteriorate, and your life will die. When the blood of Jesus Christ, it's a fact, when the blood of Jesus Christ stops flowing to your mind, guess what happens to your mind? It begins to decay. Destruction sets in, depression sets in, fear sets in, anxiety sets in. I want you to understand that, the, that, that fear, uh, mental torment is, is, is because the blood of Jesus Christ isn't flowing to your mind. I want you to understand, church, that when a heart is filled with fear and has night terrors and all of those things, it's because the blood of Jesus Christ isn't flowing properly into your heart. If the blood of Jesus Christ is not flowing properly into your marriage, I hope you know that the fiber of your marriage and the fabric of your marriage and the very, the very knitting of your marriage begins to deteriorate and decay. And before you know it, your marriage is dead. And you wonder why. Because the blood of Jesus Christ stopped flowing. When the blood of Jesus Christ stops flowing through our society like it has, guess what happens? The fabric of that society deteriorates. The fabric of that society begins to unravel. The very fabric of that society begins to decay. And, and, and our society dies. I hope you know that in the United States of America, the fabric and the fiber is beginning to decay. And it's mainly because the blood of Jesus Christ isn't flowing. When the blood of Jesus Christ stops flowing through our schools like it has, we've taken the Bible out and we've taken prayer out and we wonder why they're decaying and failing and falling. Because the blood of Jesus Christ isn't flowing. Because we've not been guarding our hearts, church. And we wonder why we're in the condition that we're in. It's why the wisest man in the world said, above everything else, above everything or anything that I could teach you as the wisest man there is, ask me anything, anything philosophical, anything mathematical, anything social, anything historical, ask me anything, Solomon said, and above everything, I will tell you to guard your heart because from it flows the wellspring of life. If you want life and life more abundantly, if you want the new man to be that sweet aroma in the nostrils of God, you must guard your heart. Because if you don't, guess who shows up? The old man. The old man is who shows up. 
And we've got to be careful who we allow to dwell on the throne of our heart. If the old man is seated on the throne of your heart, from your heart, from your life, from your mind, from your mouth, will flow old things. If the new man, church, if your heart is pure, if your heart is holy, if your heart is new, you might say, if your heart spiritually is well kept, then from your life and from your heart and from your mind and from your mouth and from your hands and from your feet, from your marriage, from your relationships, from your finances, your life consists of all of those things, church, from your business, from your worship, from your giving, from your family. You understand what I'm saying? From your life will flow good things, new things. It's why we have to guard our heart, church. Listen, like I taught last week, the old man or the human nature is always seeking to pull us back down again into sin. The old man, even though you stuck him in the grave, church, which we can do, he leaves behind some residue that tries to resurrect itself. And I'll look at that in just a second. But here's what I want you to understand. It's easy to become defiled by the old man. It's easy to lapse back into old behaviors and old things and, and old habits. And it's why I taught you last week that the only way you can deal with the old man is to execute him and put him away, not pamper him, put him away. And then your effort should be spent on building up the new man. It's what I'm talking about tonight, church. Please understand the old man does not and cannot glorify the father you see, what we have to understand is the Word of God says in Matthew 5:16, Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. And if you study that enough and you mix it in with all of the things that we're learning, Jesus is actually saying, Let your new man so shine before men that they might see his good works that they might see the good things that have been stored up in his life. Let your light so shine. Let your new man so shine before men that they can see his good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. I want you to understand that the old man cannot glorify the Father. The old man cannot put a smile on the Father's face. The old man cannot tickle the father's fancy. The old man can't make the father happy. I want you to understand, church, the new man is the only one that has the power to do that. And that's what we have to understand. Please remember that God was glorified when Jesus went to the cross, and He's glorified when we follow. It's the only way that we can glorify the Father, church, is through the new man. Let the light, let their light so shine before men that they might see your good works. My point is this, that our life, if we call ourselves Christians, should be a visual, visible example of Jesus Christ. Visual, visible, visual, visible example of Jesus Christ. It's, it's more than words, church. It, it, he didn't say, let your light so shine that they can hear all about your good works. He said, let your light so shine that they can see the new man. They can see the good works. 
That they can see that which is good and acceptable and perfect in the eyes of God. So that they can see holy things and righteous things and true things and pure things and good things. Because in this world they can't see those things. In this world all they see is rank, death and destruction. All they see in the world is corruption. Because this world cannot produce anything that is righteous. In this world the world sees foul things. The only way that they're going to see Jesus and the new man is in us. And if our soul is filled with good things, church, one of the saddest things that I see in here as a pastor is when a so-called Christian's story of their life is nothing but a bad report. Nothing but one mess after the next mess. One failing after the next failing. One cesspool after the next cesspool. Just a constant. Every chapter, every story of their life is just filled with a foul aroma, church. And it's all because of the old man that's filling their heart. It's all because they've not made room for this new man to rise up and, and walk in newness of life, church. That's the saddest thing is that, that, that this individual that goes from sadness to sadness and sorrow to sorrow and heartache to heartache and mess after mess and cesspool after cesspool, that life is the epitome of an unguarded heart. That life is the epitome of a heart that's not well kept. That, that life is, is the epitome of, of, of a life that an individual that has not secured the soil of their soul, church. But this is what this study is all about, and it's why Solomon said, above all else, guard your heart. The call from Solomon to guard your heart is stated to be more important than anything else, he said. Above all else, more important than anything else, he said. He made this a priority in our Christian lives and in our concerns. And we must heed those words if we want to secure our soul, church. Listen, governments go to great lengths to secure their land. Governments go to great lengths to secure and protect their installations and protect their plans and to protect their top secret government uh, information and secrets. Households go to great lengths to guard their homes and to keep their belongings safe. And in order to do that, they use cameras and they use sensors and they use lighting and they, they use special keypads and key codes and secret entry points, all in an effort to keep, church, their, their home and their personal belongings secure. But God says through Solomon that there's something even more important than all of those things. Above all of those things that we might want to keep secure, above all of the, the earthly riches and everything that we place a value on, above our $40,000 car and our $200,000 house and our $300, $1,000 suit or $100, $1,000 shoes or $100, $1,000 purse, above all of those things that you try to keep nice and neat and safe and you stick it in, a, in, a, in an iron box with a combination just to keep it safe. Solomon said, above all of that, remember the richest man in the world. Above everything that I keep safe, above everything that I stick in my treasury that's worth millions and millions and millions of dollars, above all of those things that I use my soldiers to keep watch over, above all of that, I want you to guard your heart. 
Because from it flows life, or from it flows death. From it flows uh, a foul aroma, or from it flows a fragrant aroma. And the choice is ours. Above all else, guard your heart, Solomon said, church. Above all else. All throughout Paul's epistle, he uses phrases like this. How many of you know Paul wrote most of the New Testament? And you'll find all throughout Scripture, Paul making phrases like this, put off, cast aside, strip off, put away, cast off, cast down, do away with. And he uses the word crucify as well. All of those, every time Paul uses those phrases, guess who he's talking about? The old man. Every time Paul uses those phrases, he's referring to the old man. And then he says, then he begins to change his, his vocabulary. Once that old man is put away, then he begins to say things. He uses phrases like put on and, 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 and take on. But he also begins to use phrases like keep watch, keep a lookout, and keep a guard over the soil of your soul so that the old man can't get in. You see, Paul says, teaches us, put off all of these things, put them off, and then stand guard over your soul like you stand guard over the most valuable thing that you have. Stand guard over your soul so that the old man can't get back in church. However, far too often, I believe we're like the gardener in Luke chapter 13, where the owner, being God, comes to the vineyard and he says to the gardener, for the last three years, I've come looking for figs on this fig tree, but I haven't found any. For the last three years, I've come into this garden that I've bought and paid for, looking for something of value. How many of you know that fruit was what was valuable then? A tree without fruit had no value. A tree that had a bunch of pretty leaves and a bunch of pretty blossoms was pretty, but it had no value. Understand what I'm saying? You can look all pretty. You can have lots of flowers. You can be real green. 365 days out of the year. You could be green as green can be. But if you don't have fruit, it doesn't matter. If you don't have that good stuff in the soil of your soul, good stuff can't come out. Good stuff is valuable stuff. I don't know about you, church, but I want to be valuable to the kingdom of God. But here's, here's, and I don't know if any of you ever catch this when you, but every time I read this, I catch this. The gardener says, after the, the owner says, cut it down, because why should it use up good soil? And the gardener replies and says, sir, give it one more chance. Oh, how often is that like us? Oh, Jesus, before you chop me down, will you give me one more chance, God? How many thankful he does? He gives us another chance. That's not, that's not my point that I'm trying to make, but that's so like us sometimes. 
Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. And every time I read this, I wonder this. Why did the gardener wait three years to give it special attention? Why did the gardener wait three years to give it plenty of fertilizer? He had three years to do that. I don't know why he didn't. Maybe it was way back in the corner of the field and he thought the owner would never get there. Maybe it was high on a hill or down in a... I don't know. Maybe it was located in an inconvenient spot and he just didn't bother getting to it. Maybe by the time he got to that tree, he was all pooped out because he had tended to all the others. I don't know why he didn't give it special attention for three years. The only thing I do know is that he didn't. For three years, this tree, according to the Word of God, went overlooked. Well, the leaves are good enough. Flowers are good enough. And so often we're just that same exact way. Well, Jesus, God, aren't the leaves good enough? Aren't the flowers good enough? When all reality is if we would have spent a little more special attention to the soil of our soul, in all honesty, every single one of us in this house today could say, I'd be bearing a whole lot more fruit. If I would have, if I would just pay some special attention today, I'd be bearing a whole lot more fruit. If I would give it plenty of fertilize, plenty of prayer, plenty of meditation, plenty of the Word of God, plenty of the Spirit of God, if I would give it plenty of discipleship and plenty of Bible study and plenty of the house of God. You understand what I'm saying? If I would give it plenty of those things, then there'd be no question as to what would be flowing forth from my life. And we wouldn't be facing half of what we face today. My question is this, church. If you're here tonight and you say, God, I know that I could give better attention to the soil of my soul. I want you to stand to your feet. God, I know that I could give better attention to the soil of my soul. I know I could protect it better. I know I could secure it better. I know I could watch after it better. I know I could feed it better. I know I could tend to it better. You see, we're all being honest. We could do a better job of guarding our hearts. Amen. Here's what I want to close with before I pray. I was thinking about this when I... I've got time to tell this real quick. As I was preparing this, I thought about when my wife and I moved into our house several years ago in Noonan. When we moved into that house, that house was a representation of the old owner. Represented everything about him. The color represented the old owner, the cabinets, the carpet, the appliances, the paint, the trim, the architecture. Everything in that house represented the old owner. And when we moved in... We wanted everything to be new. So we had to paint. We had to tear out carpet. We changed trim. We changed cabinets. We built decks. We brought in new appliances. We put in new light fixtures. We changed plugs. We changed everything that we could. So it would rightly represent the new tenants and the, the new owners. 
The same exact thing has to happen with us, church, spiritually. You see, when Christ comes to move into our lives, when the new man comes to inhabit our lives, we got to change some things. We got to tear up some carpet. We got to paint some walls. We got to tear out some appliances. There's some work that has to be done. We can't leave it all on Jesus and say, okay, God, do it all for me. I had to sweat a little bit. I had to work a little bit. I had to cut down some trees. I had to, I, I had to toil a little bit. You understand what I'm saying? And even though the outside has the same architectural look, everything inside is new. But it took some work to get that way. And the one last point I want to make is this. That even after I did all of those things, when I bought that house, and even though the owner moved away, actually moved clear across the country to California, as far away as he could go. The owner didn't live there anymore. But when I went up into the attic, guess what was there? He left some junk behind. When I looked in the garage, left some junk behind. When I began to work out in the yard, I found some junk out in the yard, back in the woods. All the, I had to clean it up. Here's my point. We can put the old man in the grave. We can crucify him at the cross. We can bury him. But he leaves junk behind. He leaves a mess behind. And it's our job to clean it up. It's our job to pick up the trash. It's our job to cut the grass. It's our job to paint the walls. It's our job to do all of those things. So we become a right represent, so that the, the house it, it has a new representation. You understand what I'm saying? That what the Holy Spirit is saying to us tonight is some of you got some painting to do. The old man might be long gone, but there's some things in there that still look old. And we got to ask the new man to rise up. We do that through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word. How many of you are ready to just let the new man be seen in your life? Amen? That's what's going to be our prayer. And that's your prayer. God, uh, let the new man be seen. Let, ask God to point out those things that need to change. And then ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to help you clean house. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your Word. I thank you for your power and your Spirit. I thank you that there is a new man that you have given us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And God, even though that the old man might have been crucified ten years ago or five years ago or one year ago, or maybe there's someone in the house that crucified him just last week, God. That we know the old man and the devil leave some junk behind. And we need to clean it up, God. We need to roll up our sleeves and we need to we need to clean house. We need to maybe clean up some speech or clean up our closet or clean up some things that, that should be cleaned and, and put in order. God, my prayer for us tonight is that we would obey and heed the words of Solomon that says, Above all else, people, guard your heart because from your heart flows life. God, I pray that life would flow from every single one of your people tonight. God, I pray that the old man and old things would pass away so that all things would become new. I pray in the name of Jesus that everyone under my voice, God, would be a representation of Jesus Christ. That old things would pass away and that everyone here would be able to say, Behold, look at me. See for yourself. 
that old things have passed away and all things have become new. Help us to build a new house, Father God. And I pray that the new man would reside. Give us the power by your Holy Spirit. And let us, God, fill our souls with good things. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit and your presence. And all of God's people said, amen. Can we bless the Lord tonight, church? Amen. Here's what we're going to do. If you have a special need, I ask you to come and tarry and pray with me. But before you go, I'm going to ask them to sing one more song. And just let us go in a spirit of worship. Sing this song, and then let's go in a spirit of worship. Amen? Lord, I give you my heart. Give it to them tonight, church. I give you my soul. Lord, I live for you alone. Every breath that I take. Amen. If you have a special need, be happy to tarry with you. Otherwise, go in the new man and let him be seen. God bless you. Amen.